Hey, what's up, everybody? It is your boy, Dave Noodles, and we are on the Type 88 show, where we talk to people about how they turn their dreams into reality, what people go through, their lives, coming up with a dream, what it took to really turn that thing into a real thing. Um, so this guy right here has been on many stages. He has shaked many blocks shaked many buildings, made a lot of people dance, and has connected a lot of dots in the island and beyond in the community. This guy has been rocking every month on the Type 88 show behind, behind the ones and twos. We thought it was only right for him to share his story with us. You, you hear him rocking an hour or two every month with us, taking you trips down memory lane it's only right to get him here and share his story because he's he's gone through a lot to get to where he is today and he just never stops so i just want to welcome dj shame to the type 88 show what's up man yeah that deserves a uh, that was a beautiful introduction your your grind has been beautiful to watch i've known you for almost a decade or so damn it's been that long and you just haven't shot stopped shaking buildings since Hey man, it's it was a concept that came about one one uh Friday I actually wasn't booked and it was just a it was a thought. Uh it was me and uh shout out to my nephew DJ A Star. Uh we were just having a conversation and he was like it it was a compliment that was being paid forward when we did an event because you know we have to bring out our equipment. And someone had mentioned, they say, Yeah, you know what speakers are you using? Because when you guys are in here, you guys really like, you know, you shake the building with your speakers. So that's how that whole concept came about. And before we used to, we wanted to call ourselves the BS boys, you know, building shakers, BS. Yeah, yeah. Kind of reminiscent of the movie Biker Boys. So, but I was like, eh, I don't want to have so many people. That's bullshit. That's bullshit. So BS does have a, kind of it's yeah. kind of had its yeah i hear you but i leaned away from it and i was like all right we we shake the building hmm building shakers but i was like wait <laughs> i come from the graffiti background so you can spell things out of the ordinary and people still get the gist of it because they speak english so i was like all right let me take the word building let me shorten it down to the abbreviation bldg and i was like shakers nah not quite my T. Let's change it up. S H A K A Z, but you still pronounce it E R S. Shake it. So you put everything together. Building shakers. You still uh, pronounce it the same way, but it's just H A K A Z. You know. <laughs> That's... And here we are, years later. The brand building shakers. Shout out to the whole crew. Diverse the first. Uh, DJ Relioso, DJ Big Blitz, and my uh, DJ Seven Spirits, and the whole crew. Shout out to Miss Rail. Shout out to Yolo. Shout That's real. Sh- Yo, that last American B boy. Shout out to you, my brother. All the building shakers. You know what I mean. I love how names come together organically. Like when you sit. A lot of the time, I've tried to come up with names for either a brand or something, and it was just like I was always hitting the wall. But then the moment I gave myself just a little free time mm-hmm. and just let it flow, like how you did. Yeah you just connect it. You just had to kind of be ready for it and you connected all your, you 
connected your history, your love for music, graffiti, and just like what you were known for, and it just all connected. So that's great. And you've really been shaking buildings for quite a while. Let's maybe take it back just a little bit to when you even found the game. What was your introduction to DJing? Ooh, I got to go. Damn, I got to go all the way back to at least 1980-something, at least. Yeah, because originally, you know, like uh, some other our forefathers of DJing, like, you know, Jazzy Jeff, uh, Grand Wizard Theodore, you know, Grandmaster Kaz and all these people, um, I didn't start out DJing. I started out b-boying, you know, and breakdancing. So, you know, shout out to my pops. Um, I was born and raised in Brooklyn, FYI. Uh, my pops used to take me to Albany Park and we used to grab a little cardboard from the corner store. He had this big old boom box and he used to just take me to the park like either a Saturday or Sunday morning before we go play basketball. He's like, hey, put on the boom box, you know, like African Bambada or something. He'd be like, hey, show me your moves. Let me see what you got. And I'd be like, choo, 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 you know, break dancing and practicing and stuff. And he used to put me in all of these uh, talent shows and dance contests and stuff like that. So originally, like my love for music stemmed from being a b-boy first. So, you know, um, and this is a timepiece too, you know, we moved to Staten Island in uh, like 89. Yeah, 1989. So I was about 11, 12-ish, somewhere in there. And still, I, I, I didn't DJ yet. I was just known for breakdancing, b-boying, beatboxing, and rhyming, you know? I didn't tap into DJing until 92. Really, I was uh, just ending my freshman year going to my sophomore year at Port Richmond. Shout out to all my Port Richmond Red Raiders. Shout out to the alumni right there. So 92, it's actually a funny story. 92, um, this is pre-Wu-Tang. Pre-Wu-Tang. Pre yeah. uh, album, album dropped like a year later. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Shaheem. Shaheem used to come in front of uh, Fort Richmond with rubber bands with this big old boombox and battle people. So I got to see all of this, but even but way before I started DJing. Um and then shout out to my brother Kendall. He gave me uh, a crate of records. I don't know what happened. This must have been the ordained DJ story. Uh, my track buddy Kendall, he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm about to get rid of these, these records. I don't really, I have no use for them. I know you starting to dabble. He was like, here, you want them? So I said, hell yeah, I want them. So this crate of records was basically like my starter crate. It had... Uh, Public Enemy in it, Run DMC, LL Cool J, Special Ed. It was just this wow. arsenal he of set you up. vintage hip-hop records. Now, granted, I had some records, too, at my house. Plus, you know, my mom would tell me, hey, keep your hands off my James Brown record. Don't scratch up a couple of James Brown records. So, sorry, Mom. Sorry. Uh, but other than that, that was, like, the basis. That's how I started. And then um, shout out to Coach Vinny, Coach Vinny Giles, who's a uh, coach at uh, Curtis High School. Shout out to all my Curtis Warriors. He coached my sister before yeah. high school. Oh, okay, okay. 
and yeah, I used leveled to, her up. I used to go to his house, even out of track practice. I used to just always go to his house because I seen him DJing a party one time. And I used to always go in his basement and just for hours just sit there and watch. I, I didn't say anything. I didn't disturb him. I would just sit there and soak up what he was doing. And what he would do is he would just be playing breakbeats. So again, this is where like all of my musical influence comes. It, it goes outside of hip hop. You know, he was playing jazz, he was playing funk, blues, everything. So I definitely accredit him for lighting the fuse to strike my interest to get into DJing, you know? So from there, like I said, that Crater Records that my my, my track buddy Kendall, he gave me, um, that basically started it. And like I said, shout out to Coach Vinny. I was at his crib one summer. It was like 91-ish going into 92. And I was like, hey, I want to do this. And he said, you sure? And I'm like, yeah, I want to I I try this. I want to dabble in it. So he pointed to the corner of his basement. He had these two dusty pair of Technique 1200s. And he said, well, they're kind of old. Needs a little grease, needs a little uh, WD-40, but I'll sell them to you and you just got to go fix them. So I was like, well, how much? He said, you know what? For you, I'll give you both of them for 200 So I said, back then, that was a lot of damn money, right? That was. So he lives in West Brighton right there off of uh, Broadway, right? I ran home as fast as I could. <laughs> Mama, mama, hey, mama, I need two hundred dollars today. This, that's normal. It's like six hundred dollars now. Right, it was probably like a thousand back. Like you know, the comparison of money. But I was like, Ma, I need two hundred dollars. She's like, What you need two hundred dollars for? I was like, I need. I want some turntables. And she looked at me like, Turntables. I'm like, She's like, Go ask your father. Right. So all my life, my father has been there of anything I wanted to dabble in. So I was like, Pops, I need $200. I need it. He's like, for what? I was like, turntables. He's like, turntables? What, you want to start a DJ now? I was like, I need $200. Give it to me. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? What I need a blessing. It. Yeah, I was like, well, I didn't say give it to me, but I was like, you know, yeah, Pop, please. I was like, please, 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 please. He's like, all right, now, if I give you this $200, you ain't getting no birthday present. No, this is it. I said, fine, sold. How old are you now at this time? You're in high school? Yes, I was like a oh, sophomore. Gotcha, oh. gotcha. So I got the turntables, fixed them up. Uh, my mom bought me a little mixer because you got to start out. I was wondering where the mixer came in. I had two mismatched turntables. Every purist has, has their own original story. I had one audio box belt drive turntable on the left side and then i had a sony electronic turntable direct drive <laughs> weird and a gemini trick master that was my first actually unorthodox uh dj setup and uh shout out to isa miss isa who's your poetry and track team too i dj that was my first party that i dj it was her birthday party for 92. And uh, lo and behold, that Monday morning when we were in the lunchroom, every, like, this is before social media, it was word of mouth. 
Yeah. Everybody in the lunchroom was like, hey, did you happen to go to Ice's birthday party? And they're like, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, you know, the guy, the short, the short dude on the track team, he just transferred from Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's his name? Ty something? Yeah, yeah, him, the short guy that runs track. Yeah, he DJed the party. It was like, well, how was it? Oh, man, we had a good time. It was great. Oh, cool. I want to get him for my niece's birthday party. And it was a domino effect after that. Mm. Domino effect. Just from a word word of mouth that people agreed collectively that they had a good time. And it was a domino effect after that. That was the birth. That was the birth of my DJ career. 92. Out the jump. Oh, oh, your first gig, you, you did your thing. And I blew a speaker. How about that? I blew a speaker. It was I was crank. You know, we we didn't have the concept yet of you know equalizers and bass and mids and treble. I just turn it up loud. That's it. Turn it up. Yeah. And I blew. Get it I, out there. Blew, I blew one speaker. Uh, DJ my first party. <laughs> so what a hell of an introduction. <laughs> you were verified before blue check, bro. You. Word. That, that's real. To just. Uh... That's probably such a great feeling, you know. One, you're you're involved with music, just doing what you love. You got blessed by your pops, you know, just to have family believe in you. That's another blessing. Then you just jumped right out the gate. You got a gig from school, mm-hmm. and then you rocked it. Like so, just I couldn't. I I can't imagine the confidence you had to one even start something. Two, embrace it. Three, have people backing you. Mm-hmm. And then four, out the gate, you just rocked it. And then you just had more gigs. So that that probably did something for you emotionally. Like, how did that make you feel to kind of oh. just jump in and then be embraced? You know, the funny thing is, um, I guess the, the feeling is sort of like... Uh, like when Neo first realized he was in the matrix when he was in the hallway and the, all the agents were like this and everything just slowed down bullet time. It's, it, it's just, it's a weird feeling to describe, but I didn't actually feel like that until maybe the first time I DJed in the club. But again, I was, a, this is the, like I said, this is such a time piece and literally it doesn't make sense from the outside looking in. I was a teenager DJing in the club for adults. Like people can't even grasp that concept. You know what I mean? Nowadays, you got to obviously be 21 to get in the club. My father was driving me to the club as a teenager to go DJ for adults. Like this don't make sense. Right now. I was like, what? Your father? <laughs> was watching you like like you know the security yeah like i was fine i was okay it was a different time you know what i mean but yeah like i didn't yeah i didn't get that feeling until i actually dj my first gig uh what was uh uh liberty hall over on bay street uh caribbean mystique off portion avenue skybox latin paradise when it when it was latin paradise so again like i put in my work in the 90s I actually have a, a pre, not pre, but a Wu Tang story. Crazy, very crazy. Let's hear it. Oh man, I think I'm probably maybe I may be wrong, but as far as I know, 
this story is very authentic. I'm probably the only non-Staten Islander, because you know I was born in Brooklyn. I'm probably the only non-Staten Islander that DJed in 160, and I'm not a like a pure resident of Staten Island. You know, I'm not Staten Island born, but somebody knew somebody that saw me DJ somewhere. This is like in an, uh probably like 94 ish, 95 ish. I want to say 95. And somebody, they already knew who I was. They're like, oh, yeah, little man, little man. Yo, we need him to DJ a party. And it was like, where? And they're like, yeah, 160. And it's like, okay. Um, He got equipment. It's like, yeah, he got equipment. It's like, all right, cool. We got people outside. We'll help him bring bring his uh, equipment upstairs because the elevator's broken. Go figure, right? Um, Pretty much, I was already booked that day. So this was the later part of the night. I was actually double booked. And I went from one gig, went to the next gig, pulled up in front of 160. Everybody that was outside, they helped me. They're like, hey, listen, little man's going to pull up. We need you to bring his stuff upstairs. They cleared out the apartment. So it made room for everybody, you know, stand around and stuff. Uh, They set me up in the kitchen. And pretty much I rocked out till the end of the night. And it was a beautiful hip hop experience. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I'm I'm looking at it because everybody's so territorial, especially if you're, if you're not from Staten Island, they're like, arr, arr, arr. you're not from Staten Island. It's like, well, a third of Wu-Tang wasn't either. <laughs> like, yeah, there's a ODB for Brooklyn. Like they, everybody migrated to Staten Island they and formed. made it one thing and it worked. So I don't get what the whole territorial thing is about. You know, I, I get it, but I don't get it. So could you break down what 160 is? 160, 160, that's basically like the stomping ground of where Wu-Tang used to hang out. You gotcha. know, that's basically, you know, that's the most popular building, you know, in Park Hill. And not a lot of DJs can say that they DJ in there. Yeah. And who <laughs> that, was there that night? Uh-huh. Uh, I did see Meth. He he passed by briefly. But other than that, it was just a, a regular neighborhood party and I got swooped in to, to DJ. And I was double I was double booked that day. So it was cool. It was cool. That was cool. time, bro. That was experience. That was a special time. And uh and times are still special. Mm-hmm. But what an evolution, right? From that moment. Like who knew well hip-hop was changing the world at that time but then it was just it was on and popping from that point on i feel and then things have gone so many ways that was a very pure time right it was just people signing deals but i think it was the, the start of a lot of kind of the business side of it for a lot of for a lot of things right because everyone was buying albums it was just a different time now then, yeah. then, you know? People don't make albums the way they, they used to. Like, it's very rare. Not everyone. Again, we come from a time, when I say we, I'm talking about everybody 40 and over. <laughs> so, revealing my age here. Um, yeah, we come from a time where you could actually let the album just play and enjoy every single song, skit, whatever was on there. And even, like I said, even before the 90s, um, my father and my mother did, did, were just heavily into music. 
So taking it away from hip hop, they come from the disco era. So even before I got introduced to hip hop, I was introduced to disco music, Motown, R&B, funk, soul, house music, a little bit of jazz. Like like I said, my mother, my mother and father, they grew up with music. Yeah. So it was almost like a rites of passage that, you know, I started out with B-boying and then it transformed into DJing. Yeah, and it's crazy because hip hop has been frowned upon for a while, Ooh. and especially at that time, hip yeah. Wu Tang almost wasn't even signed. Like that, it was like they had to kind of convince people to sign them, mm. or someone had to convince someone up in the upper management to sign them. Yeah, because there was, you know, the. There's a reputation to certain things, way way people grew up, mm-hmm. you know, moments leading up to getting signed um, for certain artists. So, what a what a blessing, though, right? Like, just looking back at the story of Wu and just so many so many artists. Yeah, even uh, Run DMC, like they were the first hip-hop group to break into the mainstream and go pop you know with the aerosmith walk this way and they actually broke the barrier to get into uh mtv because at at one particular time mtv was just rock you know rock and roll pop top 40 and they actually broke the mold with the you know the walk this way record and that's when mtv slowly started embracing uh you know hip-hop music so this has been it's been a pro- a process and a journey for the people who you know made made a living rhyming on the mic. <clears throat> Real talk. Yeah. I love the rebe- the rebellious nature, right? It's like people just sharing their honest truth. Mm-hmm. And you take it or leave it. And it's like it's not for everyone. But hip hop for me was like the older brother I never had. It told me things. I learned things. I found out about things that no one older was telling me about. Also, I heard about stuff going on in whole different parts of the world that I would have never learned. It opened me up to so many different things, good or bad, right? It, that's mm-hmm. that's relative. It was just kind of I had to filter it out. At least I got to hear the stories mm-hmm. and take what I wanted from them. Um. And of course, at early age, it influenced me. I wanted to do certain things. But then it was at a point, I'm like, wait, this is their story. I'm living my story. I could be inspired by their story, but that's not my story. I can't be out here doing these certain things. And But I could be like, oh, I could work hard. Mm-hmm. I could open a business. I could be good by my people. So there were these lessons from it from hip-hop and just the do's and don'ts and a lot of them ran into lots of trouble i would see dmx growing up and be like oh man i can't be late i can't be late to my job i'm gonna i'm gonna get fired rest in peace to the dog uh, r.i.p man yeah man we lost too many greats in the past 15 years it's it's crazy oh uh, yeah and, and happy belated uh, birthday in hip hop heaven to uh, Christopher Rios, aka Big Pun. 
Yeah. Birthday was uh, actually yesterday. So. Yeah, these guys are like my older uncles. Just. Yeah. Hip hop music. Giving me a, yeah. <laughs> Hip hop music has a has had a way of touching so many people, and what I think is uh, what makes us all human. They can separate the music from the artist because that's a form of art. You know what I mean? Some people get caught up in the alter ego of it, so to speak. But at least all over the world uh, of the people who broke the mold in hip hop, they can separate the music from the person. They understand that, hey, this is their job. This is what they do. They tell beautiful stories and they make great music. But outside of that, they're still a human being. So I like the fact that most of the fans that embrace hip hop music, they can separate the two. Some of them can't. <laughs> yeah. Some of them can't. They just they can't see you as another person. Like for instance, uh, just to make an example, uh, Method Man, his real name is Clifford Smith. Like, so his family and friends, he's Clifford or Shotgun. You know, for people who watch the you know Wu Tang American Saga, they used to call him Shotgun. But other than that, to his mommy and daddy, he's Cliff, Clifford Smith. Yeah. To us, he's Method Man. You know what I mean? It's almost like Bruce Wayne and Batman. I, I make my own personal reference to myself uh, outside of outside of DJing because I'm a professional man. You know, I'm an electrician by trade and I work at the hospital. So most of people who don't intimately know me outside of DJing just thinks I DJ. They only know me as DJ Shane. That's it. Building shakers. Ah, on a thousand in the club. They don't see Taiwan Moss, the electrician. <laughs> like they don't yeah. they don't know who that person is. So they wouldn't be able to relate. They relate to DJ Shane. So it's almost like I'm Bruce Wayne. I'm Bruce Wayne and I'm Batman. It just depending on who you are, what which one you get. Do you get Bruce Wayne? Do you get Taiwan, the electrician, uh, aka the eight-year veteran that served two branches of service? Or do you get Batman, aka DJ Shane? Like, which which personality are you getting? So, <laughs> some people can't separate the two. They just think, yes, he's a DJ. He's always on a thousand. That are like, no, actually, when I'm not DJing, it's actually quiet in here. <laughs> There's nothing playing. It's silence. <laughs> That's real. And you yeah. just subtly just did two services. Yeah, oh, wow. And today like, is uh, Veterans Day, so cool. Yeah, happy Veterans Day to you, man, and everyone out there that have put themselves on the line. Yeah, man. The eight years, uh, four years Air Force active duty. Shout out to all my Barksdale Air Force alumni. Shout out to the Metro. Whoop. And uh, shout out to all my service members that served with me in uh, Operation Iraqi Freedom, uh, February 03 to May 04. Whoop. United States Army. Uh, shout out to my guy Rick. Shout out to my guy Roy. We shot town. Shout out to Chicago. Uh, yeah, pretty much it was a, a I won't say it's a, a good experience because you know I had to go through war. But overall, my military career combined together the Air Force and the Army. It just made me see uh, a perspective outside of the United States really get to appreciate the civil liberties that we have on this side of the water. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it, there, there is no other country like the United States of America. I can tell you that. <laughs> I can tell you that. That's real. And I've been all over the world. 
all over the world. DJed all over the world. Saudi Arabia was probably, let me see if I got to compare D- DJing in different countries. Uh, wait, I got to put it up against each other uh, when I DJed in DR. So okay. if I got to compare the two, because when I was in Saudi Arabia, I was still in the military. Even though it was fun, it was fun. Um, but when I went to DR, I was I was on vacation. So a shout out to my uh, dude Bobby Rail, the OG Bobby Rail. Uh, he got me in two clubs in one night, and for me, the dopest part of the night was seeing a sea of people. It was like two hundred plus people in this big old room, and the speakers were just bumping through your chest. And I think I opened my set with uh, Drake, nice for what? It's like, everybody put your motherfucking rope. And like the yeah. whole place went bananas. And it's like people <laughs> from Australia, people from Amsterdam, like just everywhere was wow. just all in this room. And the one common denominator was the music. That was it. That's beautiful, man. A sea of people from all walks of life and everybody near just gigging, having a good time, and I was providing that good time. So there there was my Neo in the Matrix moment right there. Like, wow, like look at this. This is crazy. I love it. Like, I love it. That's that's the part of DJing that I actually enjoy. There's nothing like DJing in a room full of strangers. Because they don't know you. They know the music. Yeah. They don't they don't know you. You know, our our peers and our friends can be heavily critiquing of our abilities, right? So if I had a choice to DJ in a room full of my friends or DJ in a room full of strangers, I'll take strangers. (laughs) I'll take the strangers because everybody everybody holds you to a certain uh, level of expertise and you're under heavy critique. So I guess it, it comes with the territory, right? No, it's real. And I think it, I think it's symbolic too mm-hmm. to put yourself in rooms with new people mm. because our friends are always going to be our friends of course based on our actions if we're we stay the way we started you know things change people change but mm-hmm. anyone who is my friend I hope they know that I'm going to always be their friend unless someone starts acting silly which isn't going to be me. <laughs> but when you're when you go into a new room it's just like you get to you get to give that first impression. You also get there's this judge this you said there's this l- different judgment. They're there to to feel it that way. But I think it's just like also being uncomfortable, going somewhere but then making everyone feel comfortable. In an uncomfortable, which could be an uncomfortable situation. No one knows anyone. They don't know you, but then you have the ability to change the the emotion of the room. Yeah, I kind of seem to uh, figure it out. I uh, shout out to one of my mentors, my little young, my little young guy, uh, DJ Mark Spark, DJ Spark, one of my little mentors. I actually have to get with him today if it's possible. Uh, he's a young DJ. He's a mentee. You're, you're yeah. working with him. Mm-hmm. He, um, I met his father. So his father's a good, good guy from the Caribbean. And um, he's like, yeah, you know, I was very surprised when my son wanted to start DJing. And he was like, yeah, you know, he spoke very highly of you. He's like, yo, dad, this guy, 
he's like so awesome and he like shows me stuff. He's like, he really doesn't judge me and blah, blah, blah. And like, he's like, I, I just want to learn more and he's willing to show me. And it's like, it's so dope when you have a younger, younger man, but the generation behind me that is interested in the, the pure art form of DJing and he's willing to learn. Like he's like a little sponge. He wants to soak everything up. So even the nights that he DJs and I'll I'll be watching and I'll be listening, right? So he came to me a few times and was like, hey, uh, overall, what do you think of my performance tonight? And this is actually, you know, four hours later. And I was like, all right, let you sit down. I was like, let me, I said, now keep a keep an honest and open mind because I'm critiquing you as a master. You know what I mean? I'm like Yoda. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm critique. I said, don't take anything personal. It's just my ears are listening to you differently versus everybody else. Right. I'm listening for transition. I'm listening for mistakes and blending. I'm listening for awkward moments of silence. Like mm -hmm. there's, there's things that I'm really keying in on. And every you know veteran DJ can attest to it. When we're out and about and we're not DJing, this is like a, a running joke. If you ever been anywhere, whether you're at a club, lounge, wherever, and there's a DJ, and the DJing is just train wrecking, uh, that means doing bad, right? Yep. He's, he's train wrecking. <laughs> and, the people, and the people that know you and know you DJ and know your, your skill set, they'll turn to you and go, <laughs> and I'm looking at y'all like, what? You Like, you don't hear this? I'm like, yeah, I, I hear it, but... What you want me to do? I'm not on the clock tonight. Like I'm not responsible for this horrible selection of music being played. I'm here just like you enjoying a drink mm. from hookah. That's on him. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I'm not responsible. Like, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, we, meaning us DJs who are of the caliber that you like, we are not responsible for terrible DJs and we just happen to be in the vicinity. No, we're not going <laughs> to pull out a DJ out our uh, laptop out the back of my ass and be like, move over. Like, you know what I mean? That would that would make more sense in a perfect world. Like, yeah, excuse me, bro. You're fucking up the party right now. Let me show you how it's done. Pick it, pick it, pick it, pick it. No, that's not how that works. <laughs> He's going to have to learn whoever that DJ is. There's no personal shot to anybody, but it, you have to learn. Yeah. You have to learn to get to a certain level. And I guess that's where the competitiveness comes into DJing. And what like, did you tell him? Well, I told what the young. The I told him um, he has to get comfortable knowing the music outside of the hits. He knows the hits. I said, "Well, you can't play a four-hour party of hits. You'll run out of music. You'll, you'll. I'll say I'll give you a good hour and a half, but after an hour and a half, you're gonna start repeating music, and that's a DJ no-no." You know what I mean? Especially a four-hour set. Yeah, you're you gonna have pace to yourself. You gotta... You're gonna have to stretch. You know, stretch the music out. But again, his knowledge of music needs to be broadened. So I'll, yeah, you know, I'll I'll teach you. I told him um, he has to grasp the concept of just blending without the sound effects, without all that fancy. <laughs> just learn how to blend. I said, don't worry about what you see the other DJs doing, you know, the cutting and scratching and the sound effects and the back spinning and the echoing. 
don't worry about that. That'll come later. And that'll be your own personal uh, characteristic for your yeah. track when you're on the set. You'll find you'll find your way. That'll come. Don't worry about it. That'll come. But just mastering the art of taking two songs together, beautifully blending them together and not breaking a person's two-step or there's no awkward moment of silence when you're changing genres of music, that takes years and years and years of practice. Because mm. he, he was like, how do you do this with no headphones on? And I'm like, I can't even explain to you how I yeah, yeah. do it. It, this is years and years and years and years and years of practice. And even if, even at that, I still have my headphones and I'll randomly go like this and just make sure it's where I need it to be. And then I put the headphone, I pull them off. But it's like, yeah. Yeah, you you got to get there. Don't rush these steps. You know what I mean? yeah. don't, don't rush these steps. So he's like, all right, cool. I appreciate it, OG. Appreciate it. Oh, they, everybody call me OG. So, you know, <laughs> letting everybody know how, how really old I am. <laughs> So how do you, what, how do you even read a room then? Like you kind of, that, that's, I know this is like a hey, science. You want, you want right? me to expose my DJ 101? <laughs> <laughs> but how do you. It's going to have to be sanctioned by the DJ committee, <laughs> and the DJ gods. Like, <laughs> What would be a tip? Or like uh, you go into a brand new spot and you mm -hmm. just, you don't know anyone. Uh, it seems to be your thing. Yes. Just roll up in a room with no one knowing who you are. Well, not all the time, but uh -huh. you could be DJing somewhere and you don't know what you don't know any of them. They may know you because you're on the bill. Right. I'll say this much. Um, metaphorically speaking, speaking, I call it throwing darts. So every now and then when I'm in a room full of strangers, I'll throw a dart. I'll yeah. throw a particular song that if you're out there and you want to have a good time, somebody's going to respond to this song. It's almost like uh, if you play Poison by BBB. Yeah. <laughs> if you're not on the dance floor, when you hear the first four bars of that, mm -hmm. either you don't like BBD <laughs> Or whatever, you're too drunk out of your mind to dance and you just want to comfortably be, you know, positioned in your chair and just chair bop. Yeah. But there's certain songs that you just throw out there and you wait for the reaction. You know, you, you wait and it's like, okay. And it, it also depends on what time of night it is. If it's the beginning of the night, you're you're warming people up. It's I call it the roller coaster effect. And also I call it the tug the tug of war. So it's like it's a it's a gimme. You put you putting your bait out there and seeing what what you get back first. Like, okay, I play this R and B song. A small pocket of women was over here dancing in the corner. Not too much movement in the room, the rest of the room. But okay, at least I know if I if I play something a little R and B ish, I can get a little bit more response. So then I'll throw a Beyonce record out there. Now three groups of women are dancing out of their chairs. So once I, I got you, I look, I'll glance up, uh, occasionally I'll glance up and go, aha, <laughs> this is the mood because women tend to dance first, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Okay, once I got the women on the dance floor, I'd be like, 
like score get over here like i got y'all motherfuckers now like yeah i'm reeling in now i'm throwing darts at 100 miles an hour like now this is my arsenal in my brain like okay hit them with this hit them with this hit them with this hit them with this and it's almost a guaranteed mike tyson let a right hook here come boom playing this song boom i'm playing this song boom i'm playing that song and everybody's like yeah yeah and you know you're doing your thing when repeatedly people keep coming up to the DJ, but, oh, can you play this? Can you play this? And you're like, yep, I got him. I got him. I got him. Now let's put it in cruise control. One hour, two hour, three hour, four hour. Put it in cruise control. Once I, once I got you, I got you. I got you. And mu- music is the common denominator. And get, get this, you don't know me. We're, we're, we're related now through the music. Yeah. You know, and at I least I want, I want people to walk away at the end of the night saying damn damn i had a good time what was that dj's name again shane what's his instagram i need to hire i need to hire him my job is done my job is done that's it i'm 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 humbled to be to get that type of response from a room full of strangers that i never met before that's a that's the humbling experience you know what i mean you could tell someone has been in the game a while Mm-hmm. With how you precisely have it down to a science, and you <laughs> describe kind of the steps, like you understand. There's like an art, there's a math, but then there's the science. Ah, like the sweet science of boxing. <laughs> yeah, like you you understand, and then it's the psychology of it. Yeah. So yeah. like. We it. learned all these things in school, like the, you know, the, whatever it was, the, t- the class we were in, psych, history, right? And it's like, I think it's just important, whatever it is, to tap into all those things of that thing. So, like, yeah. if you're in design, know your history, know the science of what it takes to print on socks. Wow know the science of how to print on sweaters know the math what it takes to add it up mm-hmm. to flip it what it would take to get from here to there and then it's like the communication and the psychology knowing all right my people do like this let me give them more of this not oh they like this let me pull it away or you know what i mean it's like knowing your lane but then tapping into all those school lessons of that lane. And I just love how you did that just there. It took a, took a long time. I can say that to, like I said, I'm to be blessed to been in the game so long since 92 and from 92 and beyond so many people started, started their DJ careers and due to whatever reason, you know, they probably had to, put it down and walk away. And I can honestly say, um, what year is this? 2009, I actually walked away from DJing. I did, honestly. It was a tough year. A lot a lot of people were hitting the wall. Yeah, I walked away from it. it and it was a personal choice because um, this was right around, this was before Serato launched. Uh, if I if I got the time period 
Correct. This was before Serato launched. So everybody was still using the CDJs and CDs and stuff. And I, I just felt like, um, you know, I had been home from Iraq. I came home in 04, so four or five years later. I still felt like I'm, I was missing out on so much music. Like I missed out on so much music. Um, so just to, let me rewind the clock for a second. When I was in Iraq, we pretty much got all of the albums that came out within that year from 03 to 04. Hip hop, R&B, and pop, we got everything before it hit the United States. So I was privy to B-Day, the Blackout album, uh, the Dipset album. Like I, I had every, the G-Unit, uh, 50 Cent, like I got everything before it hit the United States. But the only thing that I missed out on was the reggae and like underground hip hop. You know, I was I did not know who was who within, yeah. within that time frame, and I felt that being that I was away from the United States for a year and three months, that year and three months, it that was a hell of a trying to play catch up of all the music that I missed out on. Now, granted, laptops weren't out yet, so it's like, well, how do you get a hold of that? All of that music that you miss, you gotta buy it. Yeah, tapping into a moment. Yeah, and if you're not at a party, you're not talking to your boy who's locally who's chilling in the hood. You're not catching the mixtape up in Harlem or nope. downtown or whatever. I feel you. So I, I, it, it was kind of like a a sad moment in you know my DJ career for me because it was like, damn, I feel like I missed out on so much. I can't make up the slack. I was like, shit. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just walk away. Yeah. And then uh, again, there was a rooftop party, uh, Bay Street. Shout out to my nephew, A Star. He was like, yo, uh, yo, I need you to come do this party with me. And I was like, man, I, you know, I ain't really, I ain't got no, I ain't got no laptop. Like, he's like, I don't care. Bring creative records, whatever. Like, yo, you just too nice to just leave it alone. I was like, all right. So I bought a creative records. And the funny for the irony of that story is somebody asked, could they hire me? And it was three of us DJing that night. And they wanted to know who was the DJ that opened because I, I opened because I use real, I use real, uh, regular records. It was like, who was that DJ on the turntable using real records? Uh. I got a gig from there. So from there, I was forced to transition and adapt. So I had to buy uh, my first laptop. I bought a Dell. <laughs> no shout out to y'all, but yeah, no PC for me. You got to go Apple. Sorry. <laughs> you know, all the, all of the uh, software and, and viral stuff that, that happens to uh, PC computers, laptops. I don't know what it is, but Steve Jobs, man, it's nothing like having a MacBook because they oh, don't. Yeah. They don't get no virus. I don't care where you at. You can download it from China. You can download <laughs> stuff from anywhere. And if it feels like it's like <laughs> with the computer, it it kicks it, kicks it out. So, but yeah, I started out with a Dell. Yeah. You know, it, well, it, had, it. it had its run, but over from 09, let me see, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. It took me a couple of years to actually play catch up. Oh, the music I missed out on, then 
transitioning all my digital stuff and all my crates of records digitally and then continuing to download music which music comes out fyi every tuesday every tuesday new music always comes out so if all the djs are wondering like when does new music come out tuesday tuesday <laughs> tuesday every new music drops always on a tuesday and that's every every genre of music so every like i said after 09 and and forward i was just playing catch up catch up catch up catch up catch up catch up and then it got to the point where it kind of leveled itself out and i was like finally i caught up damn so now what i do is now any songs that like you know i'm so such a, a vintage uh hip-hop boom bat head any songs that i don't have or i could never get my hands on mm -hmm. i'll go digging to go look for it because like, hey i don't have this this joint let me go see if i can find an mp3 mm. or if i know somebody that has a record if they let me like hey can i borrow the record and let me digitally record it and then i'll give it back to you you know what i mean so that's what i've been doing the past couple of years and it's like all right you, your job is never done as a dj because there's always music that you don't have oh yeah yeah there's always music you don't have and it's not just pigeonholed to uh, hip hop. It could be jazz. It could be what, whatever, rock, funk, soul, blues. It could be in, any and everything. Because you know, being a producer, you can you can sample anything and make it's it a real. hip hop record. So personally, I'm I'm digging for some jazz samples right now. This little secret. I'm 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 digging for some jazz, dope 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 jazz records that could be turned into hip hop records, and also some bachata records. I'm going to get with one of my young boys and we're going to chop up one of these bachata <laughs> records and I'm going to make it into a hip hop record. Stay tuned. <laughs> Stay tuned. It's all, it's about innovation. You're just as tapped in as you are into the history. There still has to be that hunger for what's going on or what have I missed? Mm. We, we don't know everything. No. The minute we think we do is, I think, a time of decline for any, at least for me. The minute I'm going to think, oh, I got it all, I figured it all, I'm done. Uh, it's just knowing that you, there's always time, to, there's more to know and, and learn and grow. And uh, I love that. I love that you're constantly trying to figure it out and be like, what have I missed? Where, where, where could I fill this in? Oh, oh, I missed this month in the 70s in the jazz world there's so many little spots and then i love just finding a sweet spot or something you're like oh yo, you know you find like that that you said the bachata record and you're like wait let me add something here and it could become a whole new thing mm -hmm. and like that's what i love about dj and it's like you could take two things and make it a new thing your thing and it's just a beautiful thing Yep. It could be the thing that moment. You know. Rest in peace, DJ AM, bro. Like I remember some of his early mixes. He just he was just mixing it up and just being like, Oh wait, this goes here? And then you're like, Oh and then it just right. you, you get and then you you start Shazam and you're like, Oh I love when you Shazam and you can't find it. 
you're like, oh, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to Shazam it. And then it's like, because it's like a blend and it's like sped up or it's super slowed and it has pitched. Or it's like a jazz beat with the acapella. And you're like, oh, man. Yeah, so many times I've been places and I'm like, what is that? <laughs> Grab your phone. <laughs> And you're waiting for the comeback, you're like, and it's like not found. You're like, damn it. <laughs> so yeah, that, that has happened to me a few a few times. And I've gotten some really weird faces. They're like, I, I guess again, people hold me to a very high standard. So they're like, you don't have that record? No, I don't. <laughs> like, no, I don't. I don't have this record. So yes, I am examining <laughs> it just like you examining it. I need to know what it is. Yeah. So now, what Kanye say? You don't got that in your Serato. <laughs> like, no, I don't have this in Samara. my Serato. That's why I'm shazamming it, <laughs> like, so I can have it for the next time. That's a, a a quick a quick DJ joke, right? Uh, again, no, I'm not throwing darts. I'm just using this artist as an example. The highest paid selling reggaeton artist of 2022. You already know who I'm about to say. Bad Bunny. Bad Bunny. Right. What is it today? Like there's, like there's no other genre of music that's out right now in 2022. No, nothing else is out. But you'll get three to five requests tonight. Bad Bunny. Bad Bunny. Bad Bunny. Bad Bunny. Can you play Bad Bunny? Can you play Bad Bunny? I'm like, what the fuck, man? Is he the only artist that's out? That's it? You just want to hear Bad Bunny? Like, relax, bro, or chick. Like, hey, mama, move. I, I know you want to hear Bad Bunny, <laughs> but let me work. Back away from the DJ booth. Let me work. Let me work. Let me work. I know he's the highest selling reggaeton artist, and everybody loves him. He puts out phenomenal music. Shout out to Bad Bunny. But it's like, god damn it, man. It's almost like when the, uh, what was that song uh, that came out and everybody, uh, Old Town Road, Jesus. Oh, Christ. yeah. When that song came out, all the little, it was like crap. All the little Yo. kids, oh, can you play Old Town Road? I was mm. like, oh, I don't want to cuss no kids out. That was <laughs> a moment. Know. Yeah, mo a moment in time where that was the most requested song ever. And you're like, damn, I did not know when a song just goes viral. It's almost like people are just so tapped into that one song. It's like, can yeah, you play, can you play? Can you play it, please? And I'm just like, it's just one song. I can't put it on repeat. Like, you know what I mean? It, like, became, it was very, it became important. It was yeah, like, such a cultural song. I'm just like, yeah. It had such an impact. I'm not, like, I'm not playing it right now. Just because you, oh, an, another thing, uh, ladies and gentlemen of the party uh, environment don't get pissed if a dj does not honor your request i was gonna ask you about this request stuff don't don't get pissed off because i noticed one thing that people are not cognizant of you're partying i'm working there's a difference we're both not partying i'm at the party i'm part of the party but i'm working you're chilling you're drinking. You're having a good old time. You can sit down and go to the bathroom free, willingly go outside, smoke a cigarette, smoke some weed, if you smoke weed, whatever. I am locked in behind this DJ booth for the next four hours. 
I'm working. I'm on the clock. You got to respect what we're doing. We're working. So you constantly coming up to us, you're stopping me from working. Like what? What do you want? What? Go away. <laughs> I don't sound like the angry DJ, but it's like, yo, leave us alone sometimes. Like yeah. you're going to get, trust me, you're going to get the songs played that's going to make everybody shake their asses. Trust me. We, we got it. Don't tell me how to do my job. I don't come to your job and tell you how to do your job. Please stop it with the fucking <laughs> baboni, 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 baboni. Stop it. Cut maybe, it out. Maybe they were at the party where the DJ wasn't doing it right. And they were like, they were, tra- they were train wrecking. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm not responsible for that. Anyway, I'm not responsible for that. That's uh, real, man. You and you've been on quite a journey. We didn't even talk about you did the, the WMC competition. How was that? Oh man, what year was that? Well, let me give you a backstory. Yeah. Um, even, that... before, even before I got into uh, battling, all through the night, the late nineties. This is after ninety-five. Because I, gra- I graduated in 95, and then I went straight into the Air Force uh, in 96. All through the 90s, I gravitated to just watching all of the DMC battle tapes. And I watched the, the dopest DJ crew battle ever in history, the Executioners versus the Scratch Pickles. And rest in peace to Grandmaster Rock Raider. Um, it was something that, again, I had another Neo in the Matrix feeling or moment. It was like, how the fuck are they doing that? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm I was like, how are they doing this? <laughs> how are they taking two records and then transforming it to sound totally different? And it's creating this funky, yeah, boom, bat feeling like, yo, what it, what? is this and it took me i can i can be honest with you it took me years to just master understanding beat juggling the hell with scratching scratching is everybody's personality who knows how to scratch but beat juggling you your ears you gotta have your 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 mind gotta be on pluto somewhere to grasp the concept of taking two records or either taking two records that don't sound alike and beautifully meshing them together to create one beat, Hmm. one fluid beat. So again, it took me years. And the first competition that I entered was actually the uh, 1999 New York City uh, Regionals, which I bombed. I was terrible. I bummed. I didn't get booed off the stage, but you know, I, you know, my record was skipping, all types of stupid uh, shit. And again, from 1999, uh, the next DJ competition I was entered in was actually the Beach Street Underground Battle in Brooklyn when Beach Street was open. Uh, shout out to Max. He actually into that uh, battle, and I was sponsored by Fat Farm that day. He's been uh, putting in work. Yeah, I, I actually got to the semifinals and the DJ from the Chappelle show actually beat me out. And this was obviously when my skills were getting a little bit more polished as far as the battle, the battle circuit. And then again, I didn't battle till 2013. Okay. 
2013, 14, and 15, I entered the DMCs three years back to back. And 2014, I came in a two-way tie for sixth place uh, out of 20-something DJs in New York, all around New York City. I came in a two-way tie for six, and this was 2014. Uh, DJ stuff. Remedy from like Baltimore, shout out to D DJ Remedy. Yeah, he, he actually, he got one more vote than me to make it to the finals. So I almost made it to the finals, you know. But for me, it was a it was a moral victory. I was like, damn, I beat out like 20 plus DJs out of New York City. This must be the caliber that I'm at. You know what I mean? And even uh the next year that I competed, uh 2015, um, I didn't make the I didn't make it to the finals. Or I didn't make it past the el uh, eliminations. But I got a standing ovation from a, again from a room full of strangers of a beat juggle that I was working on for like the past year and a half in my kitchen, just constantly doing it over and over and over and over and over again. And then when you're up on that stage and they go three, two, one, go, you've been practicing all year and now it's broken down to this two minutes. And you got two minutes to perform what you've been practicing the whole year and a half or however long you've been practicing this routine to come down to this two minutes and you have oh. to do it flawlessly. Again, my Neo in the Matrix moment. When he said three, two, one, go, I like blacked out. I didn't see nobody. I didn't hear nobody. The lights wow. were bright. All I heard was myself. I, I like almost like closed my eyes and I'm like, yup, body tricks, everything. And then at the end, it was like, Yo, give it up for DJ Shaver Staten Island. And the whole room just erupted. Yeah. They were like, yo. That's dope. And I'm like, really? <laughs> for me? <laughs> like, what? Okay. And what was dope was, and this is before I uh, I opened up years later for the uh, executions, uh, Rob Swift and Mr. Sensor. Shout out to Joey. He came from the side, wherever he was at, uh, Rob Swift. And he was like, yo, bro, that was a dope routine. And this is from Rob Swift, two, three-time, you know, DMC champion. He's like, yo, that was a dope routine. That's that cool. was the moral victory I needed for the day. And for me, after that, after that competition, I just said, you know what? I don't need to battle no more. I, I, don't, I don't have to battle. I mean, it's so it's so much time and dedication that goes into battling. Yeah, you will lose some sleep. You will lose some friends. You might lose some girlfriends because you have to dedicate so much time to practicing. Mm. You you don't go out. You're locked in. After you get out of work, practice. Like like AI. We talking about practice? We talking about practice? <laughs> you gotta practice like a son, bitch, to get to that elite level of maintain a, a getting first first prize. You know, and beating out all the DJs in New York City, so that that is like elite level uh, DMC mastering skill set. So, if I could, could I have delved into it, possibly, but I just like the fact that I came from the era before the before the laptop, which makes things a lot a lot, lot easier now. I came from the records. And then transitioning everything digitally, which makes it a little bit easier. Still, you have to have the skill set, you know, to rock the crowd. But I was like, eh, I yeah. did. 
I did it three, four times over. Almost six, tied for sixth place. I was like, it's good enough for me. You know, it's good enough for me. It was you a had moral, an amazing experience. Yeah, it was a, for me, it was a moral a moral victory for me. And and like I said, a, a few years later, I got to open up for the executioners. They're the first time they brought them to Staten Island. And away from the turntable, those are some cool, they're cool dudes. They're purists just like us. They love the element of hip-hop, sampling, digging, you know, all the genres that make hip-hop what it is. They're purists. So, you know, that conversation away from the turntables, again, like I said, we're, we're human beings. We, we love music. Music is what connects us. So it's dope to actually speak to other DJs that I idolize and just to have a regular normal conversation with them. And we're sitting there cracking jokes on each other. And so like I said, shout, shout out right. to Joey. Y'all know him as Mr. Sinister. I know him as Joey, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> so shout out to Mr. Sinister. <laughs> That's real. That, yeah. uh, what a story, bro. And mm -hmm. It's just living life, right? Having these experiences, taking what you, taking the moments you learn from them, enjoying them. I love how you just said, I was like, you blacked out in the moment. <laughs> you were just so completely engulfed in what was going on. Mm -hmm. You blinked and before you know it, and that's kind of how life could be, right? Like you could just, and I think it's important to lose it. Like Em said, lose yourself in the moment, <laughs> but Mom, just, mm -hmm. but it's from all the preparation, the studying, the building, you know, to get to that point where you then, you're pretty much prepared for it, regardless of what happens. And you could bounce back if it doesn't go in your favor. You know, mm -hmm. you and you learn, you're like, oh, wait, they aren't dancing to that. Okay, let me, you know, you've, you've played the game enough where you could bounce and learn and, and acknowledge what's going on. And you're just in tune. And it's just beautiful to hear it in a scientific way, mm. in a historical way, you know, looking back and, and figuring out and just figuring out your path. And here you are, three decades later, consistent as ever, looking no younger than 20. Hey! <laughs> so that's that's just real, bro, to just... What a journey. And it's just like, it, it almost feels like you're you just getting started almost just because you, you yeah. still want to learn. You still taking everything in, into account and being, and being very careful and thoughtful and just, it's great to hear, bro. Yeah. I'm still, even out of all of the skills that I amass over the years, I am still learning new scratching techniques, new blending techniques, like trying to master the like, new blends and stuff like that. Like, wow. You can, like, this is almost reminiscent of my real job as an electrician, right? I've been an electrician since 96. And there's no possible way you could say as an electrician, like, I know everything. Because you don't. The infrastructure of, of being an electrician always changing. There's code, the National Electric Code, but there's always stuff that's, that changes. So you have to adapt with the times. And the same thing with DJing. I'm pretty sure in the next maybe five, three to five years, something is going to change about DJing. Something. I don't know what it is, but something's going to change. So it's like out of the DJs that started from 
you know, DJing in the Bronx and stealing power from a light pole and being outside playing in, in the projects to now, they're going to have to adapt too. Yeah. You're going to have to adapt. So that's, that's the, the beautiful thing about DJing. It's like, it, it's always being molded. It's like a piece of clay. It's always being molded. You know, I don't mind. I don't mind it. To me, I like the fact that people who are younger than me take an interest in the pure art form of it outside of a laptop. Like they, they want to learn with records. They're interested in learning. Cause my, my thing is, like I said, I'll compare it to the sweet science of boxing. You can't just hop in a ring and think you're going to knock somebody out. There's a sweet science to it. Yeah. You know, you got to know how to jab. You got to know how to put your, put your defense up. You got to learn how to laterally move, footwork, everything. You got to watch film, tape. So, again, with D, with DJing, you can't just jump in here and just think you're going to be a master. You're going to be a Jedi master just because you got a laptop. It don't work that way. <laughs> Oh, you D, oh, you fake DJs out there. I'm coming for y'all. <laughs> Just because you put the prefix in front of your name. Yeah, I'm DJ Mike Showoff or whatever. Just because you got a laptop and a library full of music does not make you a DJ. No, does not make you a DJ. You, and, and again, I call myself a, a purist. <clears throat> a purist. No one taught me how to DJ. I'm self-taught. Real talk. Some people come from a musical background where their fathers were DJs and they passed the torch to their sons or some of their daughters. But for the most part, a lot of a lot of DJs were, were taught like somebody took you underneath their wing and taught you everything that they knew. I picked up everything as a sponge. You know what I mean? Even going, yeah. taking it away from DJ and nobody taught me how to break dance. I, taught, I used to watch video music box and soul train. Yeah, as a little kid, just watching, just wake up Saturday morning and, and watch Soul Train and Video Music Box. And I was like, wait, how do you do that again? I'm like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Trying to figure it out. So again, with, with DJing, no no one act, like physically actually took put me to the side and said, this is how you do this. This is how you take the needle and put it on the record. And this is how you transition from left to right, right to left. And this is how you beat match. No one taught me nothing. I taught myself. Mm. So that's why I think I'm so drawn to the purest raw form of it because I appreciate it. How it trans how it transitioned from two turntables and the mic to CDJs and CDs and now we have laptops and you can have damn near two terabytes of music in your laptop. I appreciate the, the transition, but I, I appreciate the art form in its rawest form. Two turntables. Because if you're not grounded in that, you could you could be the nastiest DJ digitally, but if you don't have a respect for the art form, like I said, I, I compared to the sweet science of boxing, if you don't appreciate the Muhammad Ali's and Sugar Ray, you know Sugar Ray Robinson, like you got to appreciate the people that laid the groundwork before you. Because if the groundwork wasn't laid out, you wouldn't be here. Facts. You know, so Grandmaster Grandmaster Cad, Grandmaster Flash, and Spirit Five. Booney G, Love Rap, all of these people that came before me, Grand Wizard Theodore, all these dope, 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 dope DJs. If it wasn't for them, Kick Capri, Red Alert, Funk Flex, like I, I listened to all uh Stretch Barbico Armstrong. I listened to all of these DJs way before I was put in front of a set of turntables. 
You know what I mean? I took bits and pieces from every DJ that I grew up listening to. And it, it harnessed inside of me. You know what I mean? I don't think a lot of younger DJs, I think they just said, oh, this is cool. I can make money from it and go viral. Let me put DJ in front of my name and get a laptop. Like, it's like, it's something to do. Like, nah, yeah, yeah. there's more shit, to it. Breathe music. <laughs> like, eat shit and breathe music. Music is me. I don't know where I would be in life if I didn't have this second calling as a DJ. I don't know where. I, say my yeah. last night, the DJ saved my life. DJing saved me. <laughs> I don't know what I would be doing. <laughs> Ooh, man. That's real, my brother. Man. So if just say someone wants you to save their life and they want to find you, they want to figure out when your next gig is, they want to tap in, where do they even connect with you? Uh, I mean, you can find me on Instagram. <laughs> Word. Yeah. Find me on Instagram or find me on Facebook for the people who know me 20 plus years, you know. I'm not I'm not hard to find. Like I said, I'm I'm like Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne and Batman. I, I'm I'm two people, but I'm one. I'm both of them. You just gotta find me. <laughs> so I'm gonna pull it up real quick for anyone on the video side of things. There it is. My guy right here. It's my D uh my IG handle, D E E J Y underscore shame. Um I will be uh tonight actually is Casamigo Friday at this nice lounge and restaurant called Dava Latin Fusion. Shout out to the owners, Paul and Kat. This may fill, this may show later, but are you always there? Yeah, I'm the resident DJ there on Fridays. Fridays, perfect. Where's sometimes that? Saturday, sometimes Saturday when, when they want me to fill in. This is uh, in Union, New Jersey. Uh, 10, 1020 Stuyvesant, Union, New Jersey. Uh, 07083 is a zip. Yo, connect with my guy. Also, buildingshakers, right, dot com. Yes, you can check us out at www.buildingshakers.com. We have um, uh, mixes, pre premixes that are up there. Uh, again, like I said, shout out to the team. Shout out to Diverse the First, DJ Seven Spirits, DJ Big Bliss, DJ Velioso, uh, YOLO, and Miss Rail, the, the Lady Shakers. Uh, we got some merch coming this winter for everybody that wants a, a dope hoodie. All of Go our hoodies are, are custom custom made to order so whatever color combination you want uh like i said we just coming off of uh, breast cancer awareness so that's why i'm rocking the black and pink um like i said you could get any color combination you want just let us know in advance and you know ship around time if we're good two weeks you know give or take but uh yeah and then uh summertime we got some um tank tops coming out short sleeve shirts uh we got the snapback the mitchell Mitchell and Ness official joints. These are also custom made to order. So you just let us know what, what color you want and we'll knock it out for you. That's real. So you do take requests for merch? Yes. <laughs> I take requests for merch. Yes, 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 yes. Any color you want, he's like, I right, just let me know and I'll write it down. Like, all right, call my guy. Hey, I need this color. <laughs> He's like, really? Those two colors? Yeah, these two colors. All right, whatever. Like, you know, he'll knock it out for you. But yeah, we take we take requests for merch. <laughs> so my guy also he's been dropping that flavor every every month for type eighty eight. 
we're definitely grateful. You 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 bring in a, a level of energy I've always wanted on the show, and I'm I'm really grateful for you. Man, um, appreciate appreciate that. Appreciate just to be that. able to count on that and just have someone of you know your your caliber doing what you do, bro, it means the world to me. So thank you. Yeah, definitely appreciate it, man. Uh, stay tuned for for your viewers. Uh, stay tuned next month. The Christmas Type eighty eight show will be a beautiful fusion of. I'm gonna drop the links of all the mixes. Hip hop influenced R and B, along with nineties boom, nineties a little bit of two thousand, but nineties uh infused hip hop. I'm gonna make like a master mix for Christmas to give you guys a, a nice Christmas gift. So it'll be hip hop and R and B. I'm going to drop all the mixes, whether if you're on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform, I'm going to drop it right in the mm -hmm. description. That way you could tap into all of them and then you could subscribe and then you could get the notifications when we, when they go live. And then you could also catch them live on Maker Park Radio once a month. So, uh, my dude, you know, you, you drop so many gems for us and um I learned so much of course you've already mentor you mentor actively but like just say someone's out there and they, they're like oh I really want to do this this really matters to me but I don't know where to go like mm. I, I'm competing with all these thousands of people there's so many people out there but they they truly love it what would you tell someone that's just like literally day one they just get their rusty 1200s used mm. from their track coach what do you tell that that person believe in yourself because at the end of the day you you have to be motivated to do it because guess what the money's not going to just pour in like you think people want the instant gratification without putting in the work and that's what anything that humans do people feel entitled there's some people are spoiled they want instant gratification without putting in the work or like say going viral like you got to put in the work so putting in the work means staying up late nights practicing uh well now that we we have laptops uh you can start digging into genres and music that you don't have uh widening widening up your horizon of your crates and folders of music that you don't normally listen to because you're going to find gems all over the place you know what i'm saying it's not just pigeonholed to hip-hop like i said i like jazz music to be honest with you yeah jazz, like i said shout out to dj premier most of his samples come from jazz music or uh, uh i forgot the dj from uh charcoal quest oh q-tip yeah, cute. Well, not him. Uh, his, his DJ. Oh, his DJ. Got you. Got you. a lot of his samples, though. Yeah, come from jazz music. But yeah. pretty much most of the hardcore '90s boom bap records, I accredit that to DJ Premier. And most of those samples oh, came from jazz records, if not funk or blues. That 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 simple one, two, three, four, stomp your feet pattern comes from jazz music. And a lot of people don't even know that. Like if you play, I think I'm gonna do it tonight. I'm gonna play the uh, sample of Fabulous' song, uh, Cuffin' Season. That's from a sample from the old 
uh, funk song, Bobby Benton. Mm. And there's a break part. And it's all it is is on a loop. And that created the song Cuffin Season. This mm. is a four-second loop. So, you know, it's crazy how, you know, what hip hop is able to do and recreate. And most people don't even know where the origins of the beat come from. They don't even, some, sometimes the, the sample is so good, people just thought like it, it, it just came about. It's like, no, this is, this is an actual song. <laughs> you know, this is an actual song. They go, oh, shit, I didn't know that. Like, yeah, man, this is deep. Like, it's, it's very deep. Hip hop is crazy. Deep. People don't think hip hop is that deep. It's like, yeah, this is, it's bigger than talking about the jury and the cause and the women. Like, I'm tapped into the nerdy side of it. There's you know, so much to the, it. The construction of the beat, where you found this percussion from, where you found this sample from, all oh, that bass line or that guitar from that rock and roll song is now on this Just Blaze beat. It's like, Oh shit! I didn't know you got that from there. Like, wow, that's crazy. Or you altered it a little bit because you play a little key. Like, people don't understand. Like you said, it's a it's a science to breaking down a, a dope hip hop record. You know, like shout out to the RZA, genius. Oh, Jesus Christ! All the way that he mastered sound and putting stuff together with all the Chinese sounds and just slowing down or pitching a record. And then putting that hard bass and percussion behind a beat, and Made that's his whole thing off something. That's yeah. why his his sound is so stellar and it's so unique. Like there's nothing like a RZA a RZA beat. You're like, Yeesh. it sounds gritty. It sounds grimy. It sounds gritty. It's tough. It's rough. But you, it's so yeah. infectious that the beat, yeah. the bass. And you hear the crackling of the record sometimes. It's like, oh, it's so authentic. You're like, yeah, I just <laughs> want to be in the basement somewhere with some Tims and a hoodie on. Like, yeah, yeah, where's the yes. mic at? I got 16 bars for you right now. So Yeah, I like you, you know, when they you heard know what to expect, but what you're going to expect is what you're not expecting. Uh-huh. The, the reaction from the crowd when they hear the finished product. So, bro, I love that. I love that advice. Just kind of really dive in. Yeah. Dive in and just take it all in. You wanna go in you wanna go in with anything. DJing, whatever, just dive in, right? And just immerse yourself with the culture, immerse yourself with the knowledge, the history, the new software, the new things, right? That you can never learn too much. Mm-hmm. And I love that about you, bro. And I appreciate you, bro, for being just, you know, an OG for real. Mm-hmm. But someone who who acts like it's their first day at school and they want to be there and they paid to be there. It's different when someone pays for you to go to school. It's way different when you pay to go to school. And mm-hmm. that's what that's the vibe you give me, bro. Like you're you're in the school of hard knocks and you're, you're paying and you've paid your dues, but now you're paying to be at school and you're like, yo, I want to learn. I want to get the most out of this mm-hmm. and wa- watch me work, bro. Thank you for everything, bro. Thank you. Appreciate uh, it. For just being an open book. Mm-hmm. A lot of people aren't so open to sharing how they would rock a crowd or different things. So I, I gave it one of my, I gave it one of my <laughs> DJ cookies. <and> like, <laughs> 
<laughs> but are but are people gonna do the work? Are they gonna do the hundred, the thirty, forty k hours, studying the craft, studying the mixing, studying the the histories, finding the the little gems that no one knew? That's a thing, and um, we'll see. But I hope so, right? We want to see the new new generation go harder than us. Yeah, and um, I want to I want to see a just a quick segue. I want to see any of the younger generation that I've taught, like the basic one on one on one, I want to see them surpass me at a younger that's what age. It should be about accomplish more at a younger age, and then keep growing. You know what I mean? So by the time you get that's to real. do that age, you go, "Damn, Shane taught me this way back when." So it makes me more of a powerful DJ now. You know what that's I mean? What it should be about. I want to hear that story. You know what I'm saying? That's what it's about. Yeah. And so, you know, my guy just shared so many gems. Make sure to connect with him. Make sure to go to Build and Shakers and connect with that whole community of DJs. They all go hard and they put on. And, bro, thank you again for always bringing that that extra flavor to the, the shows and the mixes and everything you do for the culture. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Much love, my brother. That deserves a one time. <laughs> Cheers, bro. And at 30 years you've been doing this, bro, I can't wait to see 30 more. What, what else? How much more you evolve from here on out? Yes, man. I'm, I want to start to make money when I'm not DJing, but it's still affiliated with the brand. That's the next step. There make, you go. Making money, know, knowing I put the brand in front of me, but I'm not necessarily DJing. So the brand, the brand itself is pulling in money. Building, building that generation of new DJs that could hold that torch, overseeing it, connecting it. I see it right now, bro. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, everyone tuned in. If you made it this far, you a real one for real. We appreciate everyone who, who locks in with us, learning about you know dreamers that really did just hope and wish. But they put the pedal to the metal. They got their elbows dirty and went out and got it. And my guy here is living proof that if you dive in, you can make it all work. Even with going in the army, even with being a full-time electrician. He made it work and he, and he keeps finding ways and keeps educating himself. So if he could do it, you could do it. So remember, don't stop dreaming and have a great evening. All right, everybody out there, peace. I'll see you at the club. <laughs> <laughs>